So uh, I wanted to run an idea past y'all. Um, <laughs> as you know, we've had the exact same artwork for Rocket for, gosh, like how long has it been? Five years at this Five point? Five years. A, Possibly it's six. A, it's been yeah. over six years. Oh, my God. I, it's a great logo. You know, you've got the planet. It's purple. You've got the spaceship going around it. But I was thinking this week to honor Jeff Bezos' space, <gasps> space flight. Yes. <laughs> We could change, update the logo <laughs> for the Shepherd One, uh, uh, just to, uh, to honor my passion for space. And I wanted to see how you all felt about that. How much do you think a car ride out to Massachusetts costs from here? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to TP your house. <laughs> <laughs> A good hundred dollars. We could just it's Photoshop it. it, right? There are tears in my eyes. <laughs> no, this is really good. I think honestly, I'm I'm a big fan of this because, you know, having having the d- rocket was such a great choice. <laughs> Darn but it! I do feel. Uh, I I mean, look, I don't I I don't think you have to believe that. Um, I have to write it down just in case you do this to me. <laughs> you both do this to me. Well, I was trying to come up with like what other term is, but they would make me bleep the clinical term too. So I don't know. I mean, it looks like what it looks like. We'll, so. we'll just call it to save Jim some time. We'll call it the Shepherd One, which is the name of it. So yeah, the Shepherd One. But yeah, right. I mean, it looks. It has a. It has a very distinctive look. It it definitely a look and feel. Yeah, you know they're. Yes, it feels uh, bad to, to look real at. Bad. <laughs> um, do you think that was an accident, or do you think no. like an engineer did it and was like, "This is structurally the best shape"? And they're like, "Well, well, that was the interesting thing." So there have been a number of different articles. Slate had one, I think Inverse did too, but Slate's was was really good. Slate's went up first, where they actually interviewed like actual rocket scientists to find out why the phallic nature of the design mm. was such and there is like actual like scientific rationale behind it now wow. does it need to be that phallic probably not but it certainly like didn't it means it, the the long story short of it is like this is kind of how you design these sorts of things well i think it would just look a, a great update to our logo so i agree wonderful yeah. idea love love it when you bring this passion to the table <laughs> So great to have feedback, you know, and consensus among the three of us. Discussions, rich discussions. That's what this we should take about. a member vote. <laughs> Please, Christine. <laughs> uh, it's true. This is a, it's a cheerocracy here on the show. You're killing me. <laughs> I worked really hard on that one. I was right. trying to come up with the right way to to make that um, that reference. So I'm really you proud did it, of that. and you may have titled the episode. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you would like to educate yourselves on the design of Jeff Bezos's rocket, I did put that link to the Slate article in the show notes. But for now. Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. And Shepard One enthusiast. Shepard One enthusiast. Big fan of the Shepard One. (laughs) Here with another... Topical, serious, educational show for you, as always. Do we not provide? We do. (laughs) That's Uh, just how we roll. All right. Well, let's get into it because we've got three exciting tech stories this week. We've got, uh, I will sound the Apple rumor klaxon, but we'll get to that later. Never you fear. But starting off today, we must once again pay service to Rocket Rules, which of course dictate that after we record, huge news will break. And lo did it break last week when Valve officially announced their Steam Deck, uh, their new handheld Switch-like device, which had previously been rumored and reported about. And now it is officially out there for pre-order. We'll talk about that, how that went. It went great. Anyway, this is a (laughs) handheld device that will play PC games. Uh, It runs Linux, but of course, because it is open, people can do things, crazy things like install Windows on it or install the Epic uh, Games Store. 
It will come out in December, starting at $3.99 for the base model. I'll talk a little bit about the models as I work my way through my spiel, which includes so many details. <laughs> so it is slightly bigger than the Switch. It's got a 7-inch touchscreen. It's got all of the juicy stuff that gamers love, like um, two thumbsticks, D-pad, four-button layout, just like the Switch has. But it has some additional fancy fun things such as two track pads uh, each under under each of the thumbsticks and just a nutty number of triggers, uh, eight triggers, uh, four on the shoulders and then four more where the ring and pinky finger rest on the backside of the device. Uh, it will link to your Steam account. So if you have an existing Steam account and a bunch of games in that library, you will log into that on the Steam Deck. And lo and behold, the games will be there and they will run on the device natively, not uh, through the cloud. Uh, Valve says you can also use it to browse the internet, watch streams and stuff, like whatever, basically whatever you would do on a computer because it is a tiny computer with a screen. The Switch similarities continue because it will also ship or it will also have a dock available for purchase separately. Um, this has not been revealed yet. We don't know the price of this, although who knows? Maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and they'll have told us because the rocket rules could strike at any moment. But that dock would allow you to connect the Steam Deck to a TV or monitor. Um, Yes. And uh, games, uh, like, like I said earlier, it runs Linux. Uh, games that are not like automatically compatible with Linux will be translated uh, through a compatibility layer called Proton. Um, if you, if you're, I assume if you're not installing Windows on it, if you decide to just stick with that. And through the browser, you could also access the uh, Xbox cloud and uh, your Epic Game Pass games as well. So it's really, I would say, covering all of the bases in terms of like game availability the switch might not inside the little guy yep i'm still going we got 16 <laughs> gigs of ram we got a micro sd slot if you want to expand the storage we've got a cpu capable of 3.5 gigahertz with a gpu that has a peak performance of 1.6 teraflops as well as a 40 watt battery offering up to eight hours of gameplay i think the number i read was two to eight hours so if you're playing stardew valley which is an excellent, <laughs> very well-optimized game. You might get eight. If, I don't know, if you're downloading like the new Call of Duty on this thing, probably less. Uh, it's got a 720p LCD screen. It will support Bluetooth controllers and Bluetooth audio. Now, let's talk briefly about money before I open up the floor. Three versions available, like I said, a completely useless base version that only has 64 gigabytes of storage. That will be $399. Uh, the next uh, step up, $256. Uh, that's cost $529. While the fancy bells and whistles, everything version will be $649 and have uh, 512 gigabyte uh, SSD storage. The high-end one also has some other stuff like better glass. It comes with a carrying case and a virtual keyboard theme. Because why not? At this point, why not just toss it in? Okay. These devices were made available for reservation last week, and that is where the trouble began. Christina, how did that process go for you? <laughs> real well. Yeah? Real, real, so real well. well. Yeah, su super fantastic. Yeah, I didn't have any crashes, didn't have like issues where it told me that I was trying too many times, uh, didn't have any problems getting my pre-order in at all, or not even pre-order my my $5 reservation before I can even get to a pre-order stage. Didn't have any problems with that at all. It didn't take me hours or anything. Mm. And I saw this all over. Actually, no, Brianna, what about you? Did you manage to get one and did you have any problems? First try. Um, oh, come on. Oh, shut up. First try. Less. And, <laughs> and uh, no issues whatsoever. Actually, that's not true. I was doing it from my phone and I had to get my TFA for Steam uh, to <sighs> copy and paste from the email, which was really hard. So, so you were super blessed. I did see a lot of people <laughs> on social media, people who had had Steam accounts for like 14 plus years getting right. an error message that their account was not old enough to purchase the device. Wow. And there was a, a, like an account age gate on it. I think it was, you have to have had to have had the account uh, before this month. I think it before was June. Before, before June. Before June. Gotcha. Um, which as we all know was 
16 years ago. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, so as horrible as the process of ordering these things was, and as I'm sure like how frustrated you are, Christina, with how it went, I feel positive Say is the same positivity that I felt when we initially talked about this rumor about the device itself and the space that it's going to fill in the console landscape. What about you two? Well, I mean, my mind automatically goes to all the development challenges, right? Like there's going to be an SDK. You know, you can obviously run things through Proton, but I mean, you're going over to ARM architecture. So x86 through Proton to ARM, you know, the graphics uh, the graphics card inside of it is not NVIDIA or something. I don't even know the name of it, uh, although I'm sure it's very capable. But, um, you know, the games that are going to run, run best on this, I'm sure Valve is going to go to, you know, Hades and say, hey, please, please, y'all, use our SDK and make this really optimized for this uh, so it runs well. Um, I really suspect, like, newer games are going to run, like, garbage on this. Um, I would love to be wrong, but I think it's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to end up being a very curated library that's really optimized to run well or older stuff. What about you, Christina? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I mean, it's a little bit early to to say because it's, it's, it's not clear yet. Like, as you said, Brie, like, I think we really need to know what studios and what games are going to go through the optimization process. And there could be a lot in it for some of these games to, to do that. And I think it depends on, you know, how they were built. Are they available on any of the other uh, platforms, you know, uh, like, is there a Switch version available? Like speaking about something like Hades, like would there be a way where you could recycle some of that code? I don't know. So yeah, I, I but I my overall intent, even though I did put in like a pre-order and and I'm claiming now that I want one, that could change. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. It's because we'll talk about the when we're supposed to actually get these things a little bit later. I, I have lots of doubts about that, and I'm not going to wait around forever for this thing. But that said, like I feel like. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a curated experience, but I also feel like there's an open element to this that if they can sell enough of them, I do feel like the the bigger games will at least consider doing some of the work. So I know when we when the M1 chip was announced and say the Adobe apps weren't optimized for that, but they were translated through Rosetta and it ended up working actually really well despite uh, everyone's initial concerns about that. Do you not think it would be the same case with, with Proton? I think it depends enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it depends. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think it depends, right? Because I trust that AMD can build a really good system on a ship. I don't have any doubts in that. Where I do have doubts is that the that I don't know how much work Steam is doing with Proton and what they're doing in terms of this compatibility layer. Mm. If they're just like Proton right now is largely based on and a lot of like the Steam kind of stuff they use um, uh, Arch um, uh, as a base. Actually, I use Arch uh, as as a base. Uh, they used to use Ubuntu, but then Ubuntu made them mad, so they use Arch as a base. And there are certainly, I'm not taking anything away from people in the Linux community, and there are things they could do, but I'm not going to claim that they have the same commercial interests mm. that Apple does in putting that compatibility layer in place in their kernel. Or, to be completely frank, do they have the same commercial interests that Microsoft does uh, when it comes to doing the, the x86 to, to ARM stuff that is going to be happening with Windows 11. Does it mean it's impossible? No, but you've got this this translation layer that is now going to be not just translating Windows calls to Linux and and having the libraries that will fill in there, but you're also got to do the architecture changes. And it to me that a lot of that depends on like how many engineers does Valve have on this? Are mm-hmm. they committing things to the Linux kernel? I don't know the answer to that. Christina, what you just said is dead on. I also think it's very instructive to go look at uh, you know the switch and the the severe difficulties developers have had uh, porting uh, games over to switch. Uh, this is infamous in my field. So I mean, like, mm. let's look at one. Uh, example, uh, you know, Witcher 3. It ended up being a really, really good port, but because the graphics memory in the Switch is so freaking uh, constrained, it was super rough off the bat. And Nintendo threw money at them, said, we want this particular port to be really good. And they ended up working on it for an entire year. 
uh, until the guy optimized to the mm. point. So for a game to really, really run well on Switch, like Outer Worlds or you know, even something more mainstream like Mortal Kombat 11, the reality is uh, you have to have developers go through there and really fine-tune and optimize around the uh, the, the the hardware limitations, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is why we're seeing this big move on Switch towards cloud gaming for games like Control. So I think there's a, there's a really serious question question here because i don't think the steam audience is that's going to be buying this i don't think they're going to be as sensitive to issues with this because of the vast library as say uh switch owners are going right. to be i think they're going to be more tolerant of bad experiences so um i actually i i feel that if uh, if the SDK ends up being a lot more work than just plug it in, tweak some things, figure out your textures, figure out your VRAM, you know, figure out the basics, uh, figure out your frame rate, the resolution. Uh, if, if it's much more complicated than that, the real question is: Is Steam going to invest what they need to? Uh, both in the SDK and in individual studios to get good translations of this. Uh, based on the number of sales, I, I certainly think it's possible. You know, Valve is not hurting for money, but I think that's really going to be a make-or-break situation for it getting a, a more mainstream audience, if that makes sense. Yeah, Val- Valve is one of those companies that famously just can do kind of whatever they want because they are mm-hmm. rolling in cash because they own steam and steam is so completely ubiquitous um when it comes to when it comes to pc games um but their track record with hardware is also famously spotty <laughs> i wouldn't Not even say spotty i mean <laughs> i mean i would say other than the the vive which i don't even really think you can credit to them um that's an htc thing um, I would say it's it's really bad. Like the Steam machines fail, Steam Link fail, Steam controller fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Having Three fails said that, and then the one, THCs or HTC's success. Yeah. And one thing I would say though, I think maybe to be a little more optimistic, looking at the specs of this thing, this is powerful hardware, and you only have to get it to 60 frames a second on a 720 display. And you might not even have to, for certain games, have it at a constant 60 frames a second. So I think that 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 gives them a lot of wiggle room with some games because you're not having to output this at 1080p. Um, You're not having to do this at at 1440p. And I I do remain optimistic. Uh, For one, I would hope that something has changed between, like, say, launching Steam Link and and the Steam Machine up to now. Uh, especially given Nintendo's success in this exact space of like a portable slash can dock console like that. The the Switch is the most successful console that exists right now. You cannot, I mean, one would hope, one would hope that a successful company would not look at that market and be like, yeah, just put whatever in there. <laughs> Have it compete against the Switch um, in, in terms of form factor, if not in terms of content. Uh, so I, I'm optimistic in that sense. And I'm also just, I don't know, maybe I'm optimistic because I, I do think it is a really good idea. Um, I guess maybe my remaining question when it comes to the hardware is so much of PC gaming is customizing your own rig and like buying parts and sticking them together, like just like you two did, like figuring out your builds and what mm-hmm. you want to do with it. And this brings, you know, you have those three form factors, but it brings the sort of standards of console design to a mini handheld PC. Um, so in, in, in terms of that, I'm not sure how, what say like serious dedicated PC gamers might think about it. For me, it's great. I love that stuff. I don't care. I want to customize Jack. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're good. I'm good here. Um, but but yeah, I, I I can see people being dissatisfied with it, especially like even as you said, Christina, people can be so picky about things running at 60 FPS all the time 
the people who care about, say, customizing their own PC probably will care if it doesn't do consistent 60 FPS, even if it doesn't need to. Yeah. Although, again, I think that to your point, like you kind of like look at what audience you're after. I mean, like people like Brie and I, you know, put the money down because mm-hmm. this is this is what we do and we make bad life decisions. Yep. Um, but this is, I mean, they're going after the Switch, especially at that, even though it's a ridiculous amount of storage and you would have to get a, a micro SD card at, at minimum, you know, 256 or whatever, like that 399 price point is putting them only $50 more than the OLED Switch. Mm-hmm. And that makes it pretty compelling. So yeah. they're we're going after the types of people who, in my opinion, are it's a slightly different audience than people who would be building or customizing their own PC or spending a lot of money on a gaming laptop. Or even buying a pre-built PC. So I, I think that they can maybe get away with some of those. Which really, actually, in light of that, I'm I'm re-looking at the 399 64-gig model and going, oh no, how many people are going to like buy that for their kids <laughs> and then realize that they can't play Call of Duty without <laughs> buying extra oh, I mean, storage? So many of them. All so of many them. of them. <laughs> I mean, if... if, like, if uh, friggin' if AAA smart, games are 80 gigs now. Right. If Valve is smart, they will like include on the checkout page, go ahead and get, you know, a micro SD card. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One well, considering hope. it will be like a very long time before you get it. Maybe there that's we go. not so important. Let's uh, educate can people. Just, can, <laughs> yeah. can I talk about how filthy and dirty I felt buying this? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, don't get me wrong, it's a great product. It, it really, it looks like it's a really exciting product and it's in the space, but it's so dang excessive for me to be buying this. I bought, I built the Uber computer. Christina, thank you very much for my 3090. We pray to Chris, St. Christina every day, thanking <laughs> her for her beneficence in my life. And then I have a laptop with a 3080 in it from Razer. And then I buy this. I'm shaking my head. Like, it's, it's, what is wrong You're with You're the me? reason I the am, sand pits oh, are being mined out. Oh. <laughs> you are, you are. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I I'm having a similar I'm having a similar thing because I um my machine isn't you know the supercomputer I d- I didn't put in the Epic but I I do have like a 5900 and I have a 3080 I um didn't get the Razer laptop although I've been actually looking at at trading in the XPS for Razer so who knows I have all the consoles I don't play enough I don't need this this is the last thing I need which is one of the reasons why I am like legitimately this time going to think about this over the next few months because Mm. um the big thing i think the big elephant in the room here is when are we actually going to see this thing like like, because valve time is a real thing and they've already moved the date from claiming that it would be you know december to q1 2022 that's already moved so we love to to see it (laughs) to me if we're going to be totally honest it's going to be june of 2022 is yep. is my best estimate and that's of the first like wave of orders that's my that's my gut instinct of like best estimate is that it'll be a year before we see it I guess for me, like you and I are both waiting for our analog pockets. I waited uh-huh. a year for my analog NT for the NES. You know, I, I'm still waiting on my Polymaco. You which two I have like the next three ago. years just totally right. covered. You're going to be getting presents like once right. a year. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm prepaid. I'm not, you're not wrong, Christina, but I just, I, hey, it's $5. It's yeah, $5. This is like putting a pre order on a Tesla. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. No, you're not wrong here. And and if and I might have been wrong, I might have been hasty about this. My impression was that they were going to send everybody pre-order links at a certain time, then you were going to pay, and then we might have to wait. And if that's the case, look, I'll do that for analog for the pocket because they're a small company and I support what they're doing and they can have my, you know, money for my two analog pockets for however long it's gonna be. They can do that. That's fine. But but uh, I'm not going to do that with Valve. So if they I'm sent you a pre-order link tomorrow and said, give us our 529, you would back out? Um, unless they told me and they actually said, this will ship by this date. Mm. Right? Well, like, I, I need a, a picture I, of I, an I, employee I need... holding it over a shipping box. No, I just need a realistic timetable. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, like my whole thing is like, if, if they were to send me a link tomorrow and they said, okay, you have to pre-order now to lock it in, but you're not going to get it until March or April of 2022. I'm going to be honest with you. I might, but we want your money now. 
I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably going to say no to that mm. because, look, I'm going to be on to, I'm going to be interested in something else in six months. I'll have a new obsession. I know myself. And even though I won't miss the money, I do have, it's one of those things. It's, it's silly and it's semantical, but I don't mind giving it to analog. I yeah. do mind giving it to Valve. Valve doesn't and need the my thing money. is, if you change your mind, then you just get to wait a little bit longer and you'd already be waiting half a year. I have exactly. one, one final thought on this, um, which is I am very interested to see what this Steam UI will look like on this device. I, I imagine it might be something like big picture mode like they have for their VR, but I, as a human being, hate interacting with Steam on PC so much. Um, and I would give anything for like a really nice paired down mobile-ish UI. That that might be a deal breaker for me. <laughs> Interacting with Steam in a way that doesn't make me want to pull all my hair out. So let's look forward to that. Why do you find it that bad? What What is it that you object to? Uh, too many tiny buttons, too many things going on, too many... <sighs> menus in strange unexpected places unclear ways to uh meet up with friends add friends etc uh invite friends to games etc um and then too many pop-up windows that make me want to be dead okay the pop-up uh the modal dialogue boxes right there with you completely agree yeah oh also also i have over and over again made the setting do not load when I turn my computer on. Like if I turn my computer off and on, I don't want to see you. I will open you when I am good and ready. No, it's always there. It's always popping <laughs> open when I turn a computer on. It drives me nuts. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. You, <gasps> yeah, should be able to rely on your computer. It should be in good enough shape to get you to your goals. It should be fast and organized and make working on it a dream. But that's not always the case. If you're a Mac user, you should use Clean My Mac X from MacPaw, who are diligent Mac developers many in the Mac community trust. Clean My Mac X is an ideal decluttering app for Mac. What does it do? It includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. Mm -mm -mm. It helps to tune up the Mac so it runs at its maximum speed. It also organizes disk space, showing your large hidden folders. Plus, you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues with storage. And it fights Mac-specific malware and adware to protect your computer. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple, so you know it's been checked for security by the big A themselves. And it really stands out on design. It makes such a difference when an app is enjoyable to use. Just like we were just talking about. So you'll always be discovering new ways to optimize your Mac. Get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at MacPaw.app slash rockets. That discount is only valid for two weeks. Holy cow, I hope you're caught up. Go to macpaw.app slash rocket right now for 5% off Clean My Mac X today. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Before we go to the next topic, can I say something I love about this that makes it like a slam dunk, I think, to buy? So if you're in a production environment, like exporting videos or code or you know, like asset libraries, anything like that. Um, what I love about Clean My Mac is it finds the duplicate versions of files you may have created, which is freaking awesome. Like, because, you know, like when you're working with people, you get multiple versions saved to the team drive or passed around. It is so awesome for nuking that stuff. Uh, it actually, the reason I keep it and pay for it is because if you constantly go through and clean that, I can actually stay on the lower plan for a lot of our cloud services. So I, I think this is, it's, 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 there's, so many services like this that are bloatware and bad. This is not. This is really well done. That's awesome. I uh, I'm swimming in those files. I breathe those files. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's talk about some Apple rumors. Speaking of the big A, 
<laughs> According to rumors from Nikkei, Apple will start producing updated AirPods next month. Oh yeah, according to a previous Bloomberg report from May, these AirPods will look similar to the AirPods Pro, being that they have shorter stems and a new case. So we may see them uh, revealed at the September show along with the iPhone 13. Of which... We also have information. Uh, the iPhone 13. And where did I write it down? I didn't. <laughs> That's the news. <laughs> where did I put it? <laughs> oh, I, it was all in the Touch ID section because I had a bunch of thoughts about Touch ID. Um, Moving on. It'll have the same shapes as last year's. It's it's the same. It's the same as last year. And they're not bringing back Touch ID. It's whatever. Uh, Nikkei is also rumoring that we'll get new versions of the MacBook Pro this year. Uh, these with the uh, promised 14 and 16 inch screens with ARM processors, the return of MagSafe and no touch bar. Additionally, we have uh, 2022 rumors. So uh, there is reporting that by 2022, all of Apple's phone offerings will be 5G. Uh, we might this year get a new iPhone 13 mini, but reportedly in 2022, instead of that, we would get a refreshed iPhone SE, again with 5G, like I said, and an A15 processor. So these are all the little smatterings of rumors that I've got. Uh, also, also The Verge is saying, because of the size of Apple and just like they do this every year, it's a normal thing. We might not see delays for iPhones this year, even though there is the chip shortage. So that's what I read. I don't know. Seems possible. I thought one of the one of the really surprising things from this story is that the uh, the the iPhone Mini uh, has actually not sold very well. Um, mm. I was really stunned by that. That seems like one of the more interesting products that they've got out. I've thought about getting one of those like all the time. That really surprised me. I forgot me. it existed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I wasn't surprised at all. I think that it was one of those things where you have so many people saying very loudly, "We want a smaller phone." And, um, and then they uh, don't pony up the cash. <laughs> well, it's both that and it also turns out like all the people who want one are telling you that they want one, but like it's not that many more people than that. Mm. I think the bigger th- I think the bigger thing there is that the reason that the iPhone SE sold so well had nothing to do with size. It had everything to do with price. Yeah, price. Mm. And yeah. and uh, the SE2 didn't do as well because it was released at a weird time. And at that point, they'd already kind of gotten the price for some of the other models, you know, down a little bit. So you know, I don't remember what the Mini was selling for, but it certainly wasn't like a cheap product. So especially given like the major trade-offs that you would take for battery life. So I'm not surprised that it mm-hmm. hasn't been selling well. I guess but I want to also- believe. It's so cute. It's it so cute. I also want to believe. I do. I, but I, I am the problem because I'm the person who is always like, I love your smaller phones. Keep keep it up, Apple. And then I purchased <laughs> the base iPhone. So right. I, yeah. I am no, a hypocrite. I mean, and I'm I'm the one who who like complains the most about how like phones are too damn big, and they are. But you will but always I'm buy on. the XL. <laughs> well, you know why? Because if I have to, you're a size well, W, a, like you said well, multiple times. I, I, well, a yes, but b here's the real thing. I'm gonna have to use two hands regardless, so I might as well have oh. a bigger screen and a better battery. Like, e- okay. I mean, honestly, like I'm still even with the iPhone Mini, it's still going to require me to use two hands. In almost all cases. So So, it's the bell curve effect where your hands are so small. (laughs) But I'm just like, screw it. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, just just give me the one with a good battery life. Whatever. Fair enough. What do you, oh, I guess, what do you think about the rumor that uh, Apple is ordering like millions and millions more units for this September launch? Because they expect so many people to be getting onto 5G this year. I mean, I think the economy is heating up, and I mean that doesn't surprise me at all. As you said, they they have their supply lines really, really ironed out. So, uh, I guess that's good that it's not going to affect them. It's going to affect other people. Right. That's awesome. Uh, as far as the five G, I think like the big worry for a long time was that five G was going to decimate your your battery life. It did that with the first gen phones. You know, we've all had. Uh, I mean, I've had my iPhone uh, giant, whatever this model. 
model is called now. I forget because the names are so stupid. But, you know, 5G is fine on it. And that that once in a blue moon where you're on 5G, like, you feel like you're living in the year 4000. It's freaking yeah, awesome. Yeah, you really do. So, when, you, when you can get on that ultra wideband, it is truly magical. Yeah. The rest of the time when it just says 5G and you're like, this really isn't 5G. Like, it's yeah. the same as anything else. Right. But when you can get on that ultra wideband, like, oh, it's great. it is like living in the year 4000. Yeah. You're exactly right. Like that's dead on. So, I mean, no reason not to move the entire line over to it. It's great when it works. It's just, you know, understandably, they haven't uh, (laughs) upgraded a lot of infrastructure this year. America's had other priorities. Although it's interesting because that they aren't going to have any shortages. I didn't expect them to for the chips at all, like at least for their chips. Um, And I know that they took over like the modem business from Intel but I still there, I would have maybe thought, okay, depending on who, you know, their suppliers were in that case, like how much time they had like mm. planned, if they would have enough modems. That was actually for antennas and stuff was really more of my thought. Um, or and, and then even going into stuff like, you know, like like memory chips and, and and storage, you know, those are the things that you could see becoming seeing them have to compete against some other companies for. Um, but I guess their their yields are are so far in advance that they've avoided this. Whereas by the other rumors mm-hmm, that we've heard, mm-hmm. it does feel like some of the other upgraded devices, yeah, they're not that makes sense. some of the laptops and, and, and desktops that those have, have been impacted um, because they didn't, which, which would make sense. It's like, okay, you might have three, four years in advance for some of your, you know, chip time, um, you know, foundry time in, in um, your phones. But especially if you're planning a yeah. whole new line of laptops, you might not be that far in advance before the great silicon shortage of 2020 oh, yeah. and 2021. Yeah, for real. Um, can we talk uh, a little bit about the AirPods? Yeah, that that first-gen AirPod, like, let's just be clear, I was late on the bus getting we them. We all ate crow I there, I unfairly dismissed them, and I was mega Christina has never that. eaten crow in like her life. Like the wrongest I've ever been. We sure did. Um, I did not. I will point that out, but yes. Yes, you, you, are, you, I, you I live have, in the I year 4,000 with 5G. <laughs> like, it's great for you. I've eaten crow many, many times. I was, I did not eat crow on that one though. That's all I'm yes. going to say. But yes. go on. Uh, no, but what I was going to say is, you know, I upgraded to the uh, the AirPod Pros for a while. And even though I have like, you know, multiple iPod uh, first-gen cases, I just don't use them anymore because the AirPod Pros were are that dated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, this is, it's a, I, I used my old AirPods because my, oh, my AirPod Pros were out of battery uh, literally today for the first time in a long time. They are a really outdated product in a way that really could use an, uh, an, a refresh. You know, the silicon tips of the Pro model are just much better. The longer stems of it really make a difference with them getting knocked out of your uh, ear if you, you know, brush your hair back or whatever. Um, so I, I, even the sound quality is really, really not that good. Um, my one hope for it is that the first gen AirPods are such an environmental disaster I'm not asking user Apple to make it user replaceable. I know that's not your lane. I know that's never going to happen. But try to find a way to do this where you can replace the batteries with the machine the same way you do an iPhone. Because this is just too popular a product line to throw it away like it's, uh, you know, popcorn, right? Right. Like, 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 like figure out a way to make that as happen. As much as they I think look they like can it. Do it. Yep. <laughs> they do look like it. Yeah, no, you're 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 exactly right. And there are some companies that will do recycling. Apple will. There are some battery exchange programs. I you know, and I'm not exactly sure what that process is. But yeah, I think I what I would hope for when they release the redesigned AirPods, which yeah, at this point by the time it looks like those will come out, it'll have been five years since we had the original AirPods. And w- w- with the exception of having, you know, a model that had the wireless charging. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, kind of that second gen kind of update, like it's had the same physical design since, uh, you know, fall of 2016. So that's five years. And so, yeah, it's definitely time for an update. I just hope that they could maybe even considering the environmental thing, what would be a really nice trick? And again, I know this Apple, this isn't in your lane, but this would be really nice if you gave people like a $10 coupon, if they bring their old pair in oh, to, I love to get for a new one. Like we'll I recycle them for you for free, and here's ten dollars off if you bring in an old pair. You've we'll got recycle my them for attention you free, there. Ten dollars off because I think at that point 
Because you have plenty of people who, yeah, their batteries are dead. They don't want to pay for that service. They've maybe bought AirPod Pros or maybe they're, you know, looking at something else. That would probably be like incentive to to stop some people from tossing them in the garbage. Yeah, that that would be really, really nice. And I this time I have seen the light thanks to both of your generosity. (laughs) I would not force you to sit through multiple years of me whining and dithering. You just buy them. I would buy them, especially if there was a $10 coupon. I mean, my God, how could I resist? Um, you love a deal. But yeah, I, I love them. But e- even so, like like you said, Brie, the form factor, a- as much as you know, they do work for me and that the shape of Apple's headphones has always worked for me, like as I, if I'm wearing them in a meeting in, in a hot room, say, and my ears get sweaty, that's when they'll fall out. And I've definitely mm-hmm. also... Just had them fall out of my fingers many times when I'm taking them out of my ears through no fault of their own. I think I just my my fingers will just like let them fly across the room. Whoopsie. Uh, <laughs> so that's my bad. They're they're still mostly fine. They're great. They're fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it would be nice to have some nice silicon tips and and maybe something that would uh, that I wouldn't you know, bang out of my ears when I'm washing my face while wearing my headphones, which I do because I can and no one can stop me. Yes. I want to talk briefly, uh, unless we have more thoughts about the AirPods, about the ideal of Touch ID. Yeah. So I really, really, we we talked about it before uh, because it was rumored that it will uh, stay in the iPhone SE. And we were wondering, perhaps, would it come back to the mainline iPhone? Because especially, as I think many of us in Western countries who are not used to wearing masks at, you know, various points when we get sick throughout the year, we discovered why Touch ID is very useful, which I think everyone in Asia already knew. Um, but it's very, it's annoying to have to put in your code when you're wearing a mask or just like do the little pop it off, look at your phone, pop it back on kind of thing with the mask. Um, I know I personally would love to see touch ID come back because it is, uh, I've always preferred it over face ID just from, uh, both an ease and a security standpoint. Um, and I've really loved the ways that other companies uh, like the Google Pixel have implemented it with it living in the the center of the back of the phone. And I was wondering, well, could it perhaps be there? Could it be on the um, the start button like it is on the iPad Pro that I have and enjoy as well? We are hearing through rumors that it probably, even if it does come back in a future model of iPhone, we don't know, it will not be in the ones that are coming out next year. Uh, How do you two feel about that? And do you still, do you want to see it potentially return as well? Well, I think the the issue is, um, you know, the chin of the iPhone. I mean, it's uh, the thing I think that makes older iPhones look dated more than anything else is that, you know, the giant chin on it with mm-hmm. the, the, the button there. The button, it's yeah. Just, it, it's just a dated design. Now, I know some uh, Android phones have messed around with, uh, you know, having Touch ID under the glass of the smart screen, uh, smartphone screen. So if they can if they could do it in a way that lives up to Apple's quality, I'm a hundred percent in favor of it and mm-hmm. not to turn this into science podcast, but you know, this Delta variant is not a freaking joke y'all, even if you're vaccinated. And I mean, I personally wear masks when I'm in crowds still, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, and I don't see myself changing that until like people take a lot more vaccines here. So um, I I miss Touch ID. I think with the pandemic, uh, its loss is being very sharply felt. And I don't know if they can tweak Face ID to like react to your eyes in a way that, that falls to the same level of recognition or validity. I'm guessing that answer is no. And frankly, they probably shouldn't. Yeah, um, but... Yeah, it's it's I I miss it. I think it was a big step up other than, you know, the giant chin on your phone. Mhm. Yeah, I I feel like oh, sorry, Christina, it's your turn to talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say I agree with that. Like I actually have always liked Touch ID and I think Face ID is really useful, although again, like in the last year we've all had to get used to entering in our, you know, six digit, you know, passcode and um which is for most of us at this point probably number based because 
it's too complicated to do like an alphanumeric one when you have to do it one-handed with your giant phone when you're, you know, trying yeah. to like, <laughs> you're in an elevator and like, you know, it's frustrating. I, I would definitely welcome it back because I've always found it faster. I've always kind of wanted them to put it either in the screen or, or on the button, right? Like put it on the power button. Like there are all kinds of places that you could put that sensor. Um, and I would love to see them find a way to bring it back. I, I, I don't think you have to get rid of face ID. I think you can have both. I mean, yeah. for instance, my, um, my laptop has, uh, my, my windows laptop, um, has a fingerprint sensor on the power button and it has the windows hello camera on the laptop. So I have two methods of being able to unlock. And sometimes it's faster to just touch the power button. Sometimes, you know, my face is faster. I like having both of those options. So especially on the high-end stuff, like, yeah, like I, I get maybe keeping it on some of the smaller phones or cheaper phones, like, okay, we don't want to do, you know, all the the full, you know, face ID camera or whatever. Cool. Um, but bring it to the high-end ones too, if you can, because I think that what we've learned is that as good as facial recognition is, there's something to be said with the times when that can't be an option. Yeah, I definitely like the idea of both. I don't know why I've never considered that before, because that really would be the best of both worlds. Because I, I do like when my when, you know, when I look at my phone and it lights up and it's like, hey, do you want to open me? Um, that's great. But <laughs> I, I would, of course, just like the option to be able to get in there without any fanfare using my finger <laughs> terrible conversation that i'm initiating here the more i the more i say these mm. words and let them come out of my mouth anyway we like it brief diversion before we move on to the next topic i my dad when we were on vacation uh, a couple weeks ago in cape cod he wanted to upgrade his phone um he had like a five-year-old samsung phone and i recommended he get the new the google pixel and he did and he freaking loves it Yay. Oh, yeah. I'm really glad to hear that. I feel really good about it. All right. Uh, let's move on to topic number three, dessert of the day. We've got Netflix. This is another rocket rule, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure this <laughs> happened also after we recorded last week or immediately before. I think it happened immediately before. Yeah. Okay. Netflix is investing in games. According to a shareholder letter, Netflix wants to, you know, take it. You know, they've been doing the weird choose your own adventure thing with Bear Grylls and with Black Mirror Bandersnatch and all that. They want to take it further and make more traditional games. Uh, they are telling their shareholders they want to expand into mobile games initially um, with other platforms being considered down the line. They are looking apparently for their, they've been approaching veteran game industry execs to bring on board. Uh, so they're not looking into procuring a studio. They, they want to just kind of do it from the ground up in their typical Netflix way. Uh, they are apparently looking at original games, potentially licensing licensing opportunities, but also what if they made games that they could tie in to Netflix movie, new Netflix movies or series, just like we're back in the 2000s when everything had a game version. Every movie had a game version of itself. And it was terrible. And it was pretty terrible. Hey, uh, they are looking at a sort of Apple Arcade-esque model, according to the information, uh, which would be, you know, bundles of exclusive or timed exclusive drops um and additionally to that they say they say currently they are not considering like upping the subscription this would be something games would be something that would be included with a subscription though i will note their subscription prices have certainly risen in the last uh couple years so that is that is a wild thing that is happening. Netflix thinking about getting into the mobile gaming space and not acquiring any studios, just going right in the deep end, doing their own thing. What do y'all think? I I have thoughts on this. Oh, if I bet I can, you do. If please, I can please, please, them. please do. Okay, okay. So, so I just want to start with the overall premise of this, right? the The idea is that Netflix isn't necessarily competing against, you know, HBO Go. It's competing against Fortnite, right? Like yep. when it comes to what the especially younger people are spending a lot of time on, uh, you know, these large games as a service, 
you know, you look at the viewership on Twitch and the entire culture around it, and it's just what more people are doing these days. Um, I'm a hardcore gamer. I can say it's absolutely true in my house, so I don't know how true that is for other people. So, you know, in the aggregate, I can see this making sense. But on the other side of it, it's like, I think Netflix really, like, they're talking about making basically more games as a service, right? Like we have these, these games, it's a, it's like a whole season long, people play them for a whole year, and you bring them, you bring them along. I just want to point out just a few active games right now that are trying that in our industry. You've got mm. Call of Duty, which brings us out every single year. Uh, PUBG, which is still wildly popular. You've got Counter-Strike, Counter-Strike Go, like four different versions of Counter-Strike, which are wildly popular. You've got every single version of Battlefield. You've got Overwatch with Overwatch 2 coming out <laughs> soon. You've got Rainbow Six Siege, which has been wildly popular and is still going on. You've got Apex Legends. You've got all the division games. You've got Destiny. You've got Back for Blood. You've got Outriders, which is a take on the Mass Effect multiplayer. You've got Team Fortress 2. You've got Gears of War. You have Doom Eternal. You have Battlefront, which is the whole freaking Star Wars license. And now, just this week, Tom Clancy is trying to move into this space as well with X Defiant, which is a mosh pit, they say, meets uh, like a team shooter. Oh, don't, and don't forget you have the terrible XCOM mobile game. Right. Oh, God, that's a whole... <laughs> uh, we need to do a whole show on that. I agree with Kotaki there. But my point is all of these games are trying to go after the same uh, audience that likes these live service games. And we're not even talking about Fortnite there. These are the best freaking developers in the whole world doing this. This mm -hmm. is freaking Blizzard. This is like Tom Clancy. This is, and, and you think Netflix can just ride into town and flash some VC money and get competent developers? Now, the one thing I will say, the one thing in their favor is after COVID this year, it is absolutely true that, that every one of the studios I just named is hemorrhaging talent. Mm. And the reason for that is a lot of people have had a reassessment during COVID about mm -hmm. the number of hours they want to work. And, you know, there, a lot of people in the industry I know are being given, you know, Hey, here's some VC money. Do you want to come do this? We're starting something new. And, and they're looking at that and they're leaving. So I mm. think there's an opportunity to get talent there. But my overall point is a, this market is hypersaturated right now. You're talking about uncertain hardware and you're talking about like an uncertain name of this. Amazon has been trying to do this for a long time and they have had nothing but a giant bucket of fail. And they've got all the money. That That is a really good point. So the, it it really feels difficult to me because there's a huge difference between getting into film production because every film is essentially like a, a freelance project where you are assembling a team, you are making a film, you've got the script coming in, and like, yes, those things can change, but you're always working with a team that you've just assembled for this one specific project. Building a game studio, even if you like start with a rock solid, quote big quotes here, concept for a game, there's so much iteration that needs to happen. There's so much more work and testing and just difficult, finicky, long, difficult things that need to happen before that game can ship. So it, it, it feels it's so different for, for me from what Netflix has done in the past with getting into films and, you know, being nominated for Oscars because they're working with Oscar winning directors. It, it It's even if you have the best game director in the world, I don't think it's necessarily equivalent to bringing in an Oscar nominated director to work on a film project. Uh, you, you can't really do that with games and expect to have like the same excellent results. Um, not saying that one of those things is harder than the other. They're very different industries, but games are just so freaking complicated to make. They are right. Well, because it's a movie and it's a software, uh, yeah. you know, um, yeah. project like it, it's both things that said, I do give Netflix, I think, a better shot than I would give Amazon, to be frank. Interesting. Because I think they have, 
I think they have a better, I think they have a, a um, like a more straightforward point of view. I think the Netflix has a very, like, I think that's Ted Sarandos, the, the Netflix uh, co- now co-CEO, has a very clear point of view about what he wants to do content-wise and, and what audience they're developing things for. Whereas I, I don't see that with Amazon, and I think that's why they've struggled. And I think that's why Amazon Studios has, frankly, not kind of had their breakout moment to the same level that you've seen with other, some of the other streaming services, despite having everything, because I don't think they have a really clear point of view. Um, and... So I would give them a better uh, shot, maybe in that regard, than they would with, than I would with Amazon. That said, mm. you're right. This is hard. This is not easy stuff. I think that we should also kind of temper our expectations somewhat. Insofar as right now they're saying this would be a free addition to our existing subscribers and be kind of an Apple Arcade type of model, which to me means this is going to be casual gaming very much. You know, first. Still, though, I, I mean, we can temper our expectations, but if they put out a bad product, I don't think they would have many more chances. Well, yes and no. I mean, if it doesn't cost you any extra, I don't know. I, I think that it, at that point, it's up to them to decide how much they want to invest in it. Mm. Like, I would argue, and and I know that the, 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 the you two disagree with me, and but with very few exceptions, I find Apple Arcade to be completely uncompelling and not good. I, <gasps> have, I agree with that. Oh, my I actually, God. I really don't like Apple Arcade. And if I didn't get it for free as part of my Apple you know, uh, plus whatever super subscription thing that I pay $30 a month for or whatever it is, there's no way I would use it. There are some games, there, there are a handful of games that I played, like the new Forensic game that Icome Factory came out with. Like, that was really fun, although, you know, I ran out of levels, and so I'm not going to touch that until they update it again. There are a couple of other things that I've discovered that are good, but um, until they started kind of bringing in some of the retro games, and like, I bought Threes 10 years ago. So that, that didn't do anything for me. I play that all the time, but I'm not going to play the Apple Arcade version. Um, that does nothing for me. Like that is absolutely does nothing for me. And so I think that if that is their baseline, you know, it wouldn't do anything for me, but, but other people maybe seem pleased. I don't know. I guess it depends on what they continue. I, I think that's really the, the, the problem here, Christine, like look at how Apple has tried to you know, make these uh, games as a service thing. What's the one? It was the Battle Royale game they put out with food. It was Food Fight oh. theme with it or something. It was it was not good. Right. It was very shallow mechanics. And you know what? I've not seen that on the top uh, games for a really long time. And I promise a lot of development went into that. The other thing is, look, game development is wildly damn expensive and if you don't like when they cancel a third season of some minor show that they can put out a third season for $10 million on, if they're putting that money towards game development and they're not raising prices I'm sorry to say like that's a lot of third seasons of some mediocre shows you're not going to be watching. Even like say they put out one game they have to make sure that that game stays compatible with iOS, right. Android, whatever. Like it's an it's an investment, ideally, ideally. Yeah, I mean it oh, should yeah. be. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, look, I think that the, I definitely think that they have their work cut out for them. The one thing I would say is that I, I do have faith in Ted Sarandos, uh, and and I, I do think that the and, and Reed Hastings. I think the the Netflix execs and the people who are in charge of things are smart. But yeah, I do feel like this is an uphill battle, and it's definitely not going to be an easy thing to do. Um, Unless their goal is literally to go after the most casual of casual gamers who <sighs> mostly play like Candy Crush and the most casual you know, that type of, of game. casual gamers. Yeah. Well, so, but one more thing I want to say here is it really feels like the time to, if they'd been serious about making a Netflix for games, I think they're too late to the party. Microsoft went on a buying spree, mm-hmm. like a real serious buying spree to put together uh, uh, you know, Game Pass, which is, right. again, we'll say it again for the thousandth time on Rocket, is the best deal in video games, period. Mm-hmm. Worth getting an Xbox for great. You know, 90% of the games you're going to want to play are on there. Yep. Sony did the same thing as much as they can, right? They they bought, you know, we didn't talk about this on Rocket, they bought Evo, right? They are saying PlayStation is the home of fighting games, basically. So when it comes to buying up all these 
you know, um, these, these, these things that add cachet to your brand, the studios that aren't big enough, like a blizzard or an Activision, they've been freaking acquired by the giants at this <laughs> right. point. No, you're not yeah, wrong. Which is its uh, own I, issue, I, but yeah. It is its own thing. Although I would say, I would still say, and again, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I do think that there's a big gulf. There's gaming is such a huge industry and it's such a huge thing, just like entertainment is that there's a big gulf between like as much as Apple would like to think that they compete with Game Pass, they don't. Um, and it, you know, they're they're two completely different markets. And I feel like you could say the same thing. And I'm not saying Game Apple, you know, arcade um, Apple Arcade could have more subscribers than Game Pass. I have no idea, but they don't compete with one another. They're not the same thing. Uh, and and I feel the same way potentially about what Netflix's solution could be. It could definitely. There's nothing to be said that they couldn't be going after a very mainstream casual game audience that is getting this add-on as part of something else that they maybe hope to go into something deeper. But for now, is really going to be just kind of casual, you know, catch your attention in some sort of thing. And, and that gaming is big enough that it could support that. But I do agree with you in general, which is this is a very expensive proposition. If the main reason you're doing this is because you, you like the idea of having instant IP that you can adapt and, and make TV shows and movies out of as well, well, I, I don't think that maybe that's the best investment point. I yeah. Like this is a really expensive way of, of doing that. And we will find out in maybe five years. Hey, <laughs> uh, let's talk about what we're doing this week. Christina, what's going on with you? So I'm going to Colorado. I'm going to yeah, Red Rocks. Cool. I'm going to see. Are uh, you? Oh, yeah, wow. I'm going uh, yeah, to see Guster this weekend. I'm being wow. Guster. Yeah. I don't know them. Yeah, they're you're fine. They're like okay. '90s, 2000s band, like kind of college rock kind of thing. I'm a big fan though, and and I've never been to Red Rocks before. I'm also I'm also supposed to go everything with you know the Delta variant and whatnot. Uh, knock on wood. I'm also supposed to go to Red Rocks in um, September for Death Cab for Cutie, which would be oh, cool. very big. But uh, yeah, this will be my first uh, concert trip um, in uh, over a year, and I have I have three of them planned for the next few months. Um, I have uh, this one. I'm going to LA for Fall Out Boy and Green Day and Weezer, and then I'm going uh, again, hopefully, um, to uh, back to, to Colorado for um, Death Cab. So good luck with that. Um, yeah, I so love I've, Colorado. I really do. I yeah, want to go so badly. Brianna, what are you doing this week? Oh, well, you know, obviously I'm celebrating my love of the uh, Shepherd One. That's the main thing that I'm doing <laughs> uh, this week. Of course. Um, you know, that's got to happen. Uh, we had a huge project done to our house. Um, the room I record Rocket in, it's uh, so for the second floor of my house, it is, uh, it originally came as like a second kitchen. This used to be a bedroom that someone was in, this, this, like a second small house here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we actually found a contract in this economy that took all of it out, removed the entire kitchen, uh, dishwasher, sink, cabinetry, all this stuff, put down tile and grout for only $2,500, which is freaking amazing. So uh, I actually have like the equivalent of a whole new room to my house uh, now. And I've got to figure out how to, to decorate this. I don't know if I'm going to like move some couches down here and make like a, a cool retro game room oh my in goodness. my basement. I don't know if I'm going to put a pool table down here. I, I don't know if I'm going to get like lots more workout equipment for down here, uh, and turn it into a huge gym. But basically I got a whole nother room to my house and I've got to figure out how to decorate that, which I'm, I'm pumped about. That's so, so exciting. That's I'm very jealous. Awesome. Awesome. You get to I, I suck at decorating. I need professional help. Like y'all need to come to my house sometime and, and help me. Just out go wild. Just follow your dreams. But my dream has my house looking like Comic Con exploded, and oh, it's not no. good. Yeah. Hire <laughs> 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 so, um, so my sister. She's real good. I should uh, do yeah. that. I should do that. You know what? If any rocket listener out there has a good old Sony Trinitron television, like a really good one, like thirty-two inches or something like that. And it's it's in good shape. I would love to buy that from you, and I will make that into a game room. Totally. Um, so I'll need to check next time I go there, but I think it's still in good working order. But my parents, I'm <gasps> pretty sure, have one actually. What? Oh my god! Yeah, 
That's exciting. Um, we should talk. We will I'm talk. Gonna do, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's message all happening here Facebook. on Rocket. You totally should. You should. You should <laughs> ask, ask, about the, to steal uh, ask her about the TV in the keeping room, and uh, not not in the keeping room. The TV in uh, the grand room. Oh my grand, god! I love I, it. Uh, we'll we'll unpack that on a later episode. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, gosh, I am honestly not doing much this week. Um, just trying not to sweat myself to death um but hey if you want to find me online you can do that on twitter and instagram at doom quasar and at youtube.com slash polygon christina what about you yeah i'm also trying to not sweat myself it's real hot here uh as well so not as not as hot as where you are but you know the whole like it's okay i know you've been through sauna it. thing um <laughs> it, but uh yeah you can find me at film underscore girl on the twitters and the instagrams remember if i get to ten thousand followers i will find a way to do something in the clippy costume so still, oh, still holding goodness. out on that um I, 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 I was thinking about talking to chloe and seeing if i could get her to like do something like to promote that because i think it's too good an idea for it not to happen yeah, totally. So um, I bet she would be into that. So you should I'm, definitely I'm gonna DM. Her. You definitely okay. should. Okay. So yeah. So uh, film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. All right, and Brianna. Uh, well, uh, I guess you can find me, but Christina. What's your What's your Instagram again? Film underscore girl. So that's where you can find me. Amazing. Please go there and subscribe uh, to me or Christina. It could be either one of us, so we can get a video of her in the clippy costume. Make my dream come true. I need this. It's been a tough year. <laughs> All right. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please consider reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And of course, tell your friends about it. We are the place where you can get your chaotic tech news every week. Rain or shine or hospitalization <laughs> or unexpected travel plans. We're the one. Or, or heat wave. Or heat wave. <laughs> Anything is possible. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 So when we alter the podcast artwork, we're going to have the spaceship window to the Shepherd one. <laughs> and then Christina's going to be in there with in the, the clippy, clippy costume. costume. Oh, my God. That's the new logo. That's it. <laughs> it's brilliant.